kind of gets in the way. You'll notice that we are uh, reading from scripts, and that's, there's a real reason for that. We were both blessed with the gift of gab, and so we need to know when to stop. I need this one. Oh. She kept my page one. <laughs> uh, he just has too many pages. So today we recognize in this Advent service the candle of peace. And in particular, the verse from Isaiah 9-6 gives several kingly titles, one of which is, of course, the Prince of Peace. It was interesting to me to note that as you read around this verse, both before and after it, we see a picture of God's displeasure with the people who had fallen away from him. He indeed acted in what we might consider a rather harsh way, but it was to serve the purpose of driving the people to repent and turn back to their God. It was a dark time in the nation of Israel, but amidst that kind of hardship and self-centered thinking by the people, God then also reveals there will be a great light in the darkness. He sets the stage for the advent the way we now understand it and the coming Prince of Peace, who is Jesus. Isaiah notes that the kind of peace that is coming in due time under the Prince of Peace is one that will never end. Isaiah's prophecy then is one that speaks of change. The very sense of life as they knew it in his day was going to change. And it is still equally true that life as we experience it today is also lived out in the context of change. So as we speak to you this morning, sharing some examples of the Christmas season as it has unfolded for over the years for us, we want you to keep in mind this theme. Life is constantly changing. Growing up, <coughs> for myself, our home was always chaotic at Christmas time. There were five kids, mom and dad, a cat, and two grandmothers. No aunts and uncles or cousins at all, so we were a definite family unit that depended on each other. Going to a farm to get a fresh Christmas tree and tobogganing was always a highlight until we realized that I was highly allergic to pine trees. So the beloved trips to the great outdoors was replaced with a fake green tree. My mother loved not having all the pine needles all over her floors and carpet, while I enjoyed a breathe easier holiday experience. My father and siblings bemoaned the fact that the house did not smell real for Christmas. Unfortunately, my mom found pine scented wax ornaments and air fresheners, so I went back to the sneezing and stuffy nose. It didn't help that we found out I was allergic to our cat, too. Another Christmas tradition in my family was music. My dad was a public school music teacher and a church organist, so you can imagine how busy the holiday season was. From the time I was eight years old, I sang in a choir of some sort, either school or church, but usually both. I still vividly remember walking hand in hand with my father down to the big old church with the snow falling and the street lights glistening, and then sitting all alone on the wooden pews, listening to my father playing the organ as he practiced. The stained glass windows with the manger scene always grabbed my attention. I would get lost in the refrains of the Christmas carols <clears throat> as Dad warmed up, and then into the magnificent Christmas portion of Handel's Messiah. Every Christmas, our choirs would sing that wonderful musical masterpiece. For me, I was blessed to be raised in a family that were believers. The Christmas season included not only a lot of family time, but also a lot of church events that were, were where we sang those good old-fashioned Christmas carols. 
I enjoyed as a young teenager being part of our church choir. It was not a big one, but it felt like the choir and other church members were my extended family. My best friend was also in the choir with me, so choir was something that we shared all year long. Christmas Day itself always started with a quick peek under the tree. There were usually some unwrapped gifts there to get us started. One particularly memorable gift was a new hockey stick. I gladly grabbed that and as I swung upwards for an amazing slap shot in the living room, <clears throat> I accidentally smashed the light cover overhead. Glass crashed down all around me, but you know what? I was not touched by a single shard of that glass despite standing right underneath it and seeing it shattered literally all around my feet. I believe that God still looks after us even in such silly moments. But before we really got into our gift exchanges, we needed to spend some time feeding the farm animals. They were always a priority, so we made sure to look after them first. And then, after that, came the time we'd spend with our immediate family and those wrapped things that we'd found our way under our tree. In the afternoon, we'd gather as a larger family group. My dad was one of five children, so I had many cousins. They all came because at the center of the family was a wonderful set of grandparents. Eating was not just a meal, it was a feast. Indeed, there were lots of fond memories. Christmas movies were also a highlight, but there were not so many of them back then. We watched Sound of Music, Miracle on 34th Street, White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Holiday Inn, and of course, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Every single year. Today we have all the magical feel-good movies of Hallmark. <clears throat> Eric and I have our very own real-life Hallmark Christmas. We met on a blind date Christmas Eve in grade 12. It was my youth group singing Christmas party, my youth singing group's Christmas party being held at the church. This party culminated in us all attending the 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service together. Although we had been attending the same high school for three and a half years, we did not know each other and had never been in any classes together. Four years later, we were married also at Christmas with an evening candlelight service. Of course, being married triggered a whole new set of family traditions and experiences. The gals would all get together for Christmas baking, and so I had, along with my brother-in-law, who has since passed, the challenging task of being the official taste tester. Another thing that Charlotte and I now shared was singing in the church choir. And even while we were dating, I was conscripted into Charlotte's father's church choir for that Christmas Eve service. Then later, after we were married and living in Alliston, we would sing in our own church choir there. We had a very talented organist who was well known. It was a highlight for the whole community each year when our church choir would perform the Christmas portion of the Messiah. And it is, quite likely, and always will be, my favorite piece of music. But one Christmas, a professional singer, known to our organist Ken, came to join us. Since he already knew the Messiah, having been a performer in Roy Thompson Hall and other significant venues, she only came in for one rehearsal with us. We started that practice with her solo, and it just brought tears to my eyes. I'm going to do it again. Here. When her solo finished and the choir was supposed to start in, no one did. We were all just stood in awe at the powerful grandeur of hearing that amazing song sung in such a deeply touching way. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and he shall gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom. Gently lead those who are with young. 
The Messiah has been a favorite with our children as well. They all sang in the high school choir, so we would practice with them in the car as we traveled. It eventually became a family tradition to break into song. I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> for unto us a child is born, all in four-part harmony. One of my favorite Christmas memories came about one year when we could not decide what gift to give to people who have everything. And not to suggest the family had everything, but I hope you know what I mean. Charlotte and I noted a flyer from World Vision about donations going towards specific kinds of gifts for those in need. We recognized that this might be an answer to the matter of what to get the family members for Christmas that year. And so, for example, for my father, who had been a farmer, we sponsored a family to have a piglet. For a member of the family who was a teacher, we sponsored a classroom. We sponsored medical supplies, food, clean water, seeds, and so on, trying to match a gift appropriate for each individual family member. Well, indeed, this was an answer to prayer. My one sister, who does not profess a belief in Jesus, broke down in tears. But like our earlier Advent candles reminded us, I believe those were not sad tears, but a touching of her spirit, which caused those tears of joy to flow. My other sister, the next year, picked up the tradition and told us that she was sponsoring an extra shoebox for Samaritan's Purse as our gift that year. I believe it was a family tradition we started that paid dividends. We make it sound like our lives have always been merry and bright, but we have come through some painful and uncertain Christmases, as have many of you. <clears throat> My mother was diagnosed with leukemia when our daughter Amber was born. Three years later, our Christmas was missing a vital person in our world. The following year, my paternal grandmother passed away just before Ruthann was born. By this time, my father and my siblings were shattered, and Christmas, having anything to do with our Savior's birth, was never spoken of again. Fortunately, Charlotte and I also celebrated Jesus' birth with my parents, and our children grew up listening to the Christmas story being read every Christmas Eve, as well as attending Christmas Eve services whenever we could. But we experienced changes in our life in many ways. One year, the company I had worked for closed up shop. I was able to get a position in London, although some aspects of it were not quite to my liking. I felt anxious about the timing and moved on that opportunity quickly, because at about that same time, we learned that our daughter Ruthann was going to require a pacemaker. We did not want to sell our house in Kitchener during Christmas or during the time of Ruthann's recovery. Even so, later we did sell our own house in what was a confusing time as we were expecting to leave Kitchener only to find out that the job in London did not work out and so I was unemployed and soon to be homeless. God's plan for us kept us here in Kitchener, including at that time ensuring that none of the real estate offers we had made for houses in London were accepted. The next Christmas found us in a rented house and still unemployed. And oddly enough, that year is often referenced by our children as one of the best years for them. Hard to say why, but again, it seems that in the darkness they were able to see the light. And then after that unemployment time, I found a local job that turned out to be a great blessing for us. Christmas, <clears throat> Christmas of 2014 was a year like no other, as our entire extended family felt the loss of our daughter Ruth Ann. She was the spark at every family function, and Christmas was one of her favorite seasons. 
She always came home to help me decorate our tree and go shopping for all the necessities. She hated baking, but would always attend anyway, so we could all sing carols and jingles together. She had a wonderful voice and would be the loudest singer at the Christmas Eve services. As noted, each year of our marriage, we'd celebrate Christmas with family. We'd usually split that event, honoring the tradition of alternating the order of in-law and outlaw Christmas morning attendance. But even at that, times change. Something new still seems to occur almost every year that alters our traditions. That included different locations. It was not just Kitchener Waterloo for us, but over the years, we'd find ways to balance Christmas Day attendance in Bracebridge or Newmarket or Park Dover. Over time, and along with the passing of the senior generation, our traditions were adjusted again. We have our youngest son living in Vancouver, as well as Charlotte's brother. And my sister and a nephew and a great niece live in Banff, and another nephew in Edmonton. Even last year, we could not get together with Charlotte's extended family because her brother Calvin had a double lung transplant and was still in hospital in Toronto. And this year is the first year of our new house after moving this past September. But family, it's far more than just those people you live with every day. We did something new last year in that we spent Christmas dinner with our other extended family. Our son-in-law, Matt's brother, Phil's wife's family. They hosted the event. Okay. Also included was Matt and Phil's mother, as it was her first year without her husband Gary, who had passed that year. It was indeed a very different family context for us, but also a very nice event. This, this year, we are again challenged with COVID-19. New traditions need to be made. I am reminded that the very first Christmas was also not that comfortable for a very young woman and her betrothed. She was a virgin, yet pregnant. Was she rejected and outcast by family and neighbors? They traveled to a town far away, an arduous journey for an abundantly pregnant woman riding on a donkey. There was no room in the inn, so she gave birth to her firstborn in a stable with the out, without the support of her mother or other women folk. How was Joseph feeling about this birth? But there was delight in this birth, wonder, awe, peace. The constant in this, God is present through it all. His spirit is over all. Emmanuel, God with us in flesh. So sometimes change is welcome, other times it's stressful or dark. But always, just like the candle of peace reminds us, we're blessed to have a light to follow that will usher us into that time when we'll have a peace that will never end. <laughs> 